Hello and welcome to the first normal episode, I guess. And normal because it's it's, it's not going to be three hours long of us talking about last year. Uh, <laughs> not normal because Leslie's not here, which I mean technically is also or, uh, technically normal, but you know we're hoping to have her back soon. Um, anyway, hi, hello, it's me, Chris, aka Timeler Burrito, and Nate, aka uh, Little Teapot, back for another episode of Space Time Taco. Uh, I think we're like, are we 169 yet? I don't remember. <laughs> no, last episode was 169. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nate, you did, you know, we had some time off, like usual, two weeks. Woo. We've seen each other a whole total of once. <laughs> I have had very little sleep over the last two weeks. Um, between a combination of going to a convention and uh, being heavily understaffed at work and being slightly stressed. Slightly oh. stressed. Uh, otherwise, how have you been? Uh, well, you know, dealing with the same thing at work. We are massively understaffed. Um, <clears throat> other than that, at least I, I'm, see, I'm seeing a new therapist. So that's oh, a- okay. <laughs> Therapy is, is is an important thing. Yeah. But that's it. Okay. I don't know. I thought yeah. you were going to go more than that. Sorry about that. Uh-huh. My life is wholly uninteresting. Continue. You can at least make shit up. It's like, oh, I uh, killed a man. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh God! Just just a little bit of murder, isn't it? Yeah, change? it's just a, a side of murder on the way to work the other day. Um, God damn it! I feel like that is a topic we talk about way too much. We should probably step away from that. Um, <laughs> I will say, speaking of murderers, this sounds horrible. Um, fucking, what's the guy's name? Asskick, Quicksilver, and the in the good Quicksilver. I can't remember the actor's name right now. Evan Peters? I believe it's Evan Peters. Is it Evan Peters? Mm, Yes. Evan Peters played Ass Kicker. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, He won an award, uh, Golden Globe, for playing, uh, I believe, Dahmer? I think, yeah. Uh, Which immediately was met with, we gotta stop. We gotta stop with these movies. Um... We don't want to make people awarded for being horrible human beings like that, I guess. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, mean I, he's, he's awarded for his performance, yeah. but what stop, what people were saying stop about is some of the very thirsty reactions to a movie about a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> no. Here's the thing. Stop. Either stop making the movies altogether, or... Uh, don't cast attractive people in the roles. I don't know. It's not even don't cast attractive people in the roles. People have this myth, like there's this urban legend that surrounds Jeffrey Dahmer in particular, that he was like this Machiavellian genius who was also just very handsome. But like, if you look at pictures of Jeffrey Dahmer, like what is especially attractive about him as a person? Like there's nearly nothing. He looks like every other average white man in America. (laughs) He looks below average. Well, there you go. 
Like, he's he was not this super attractive, like, suave manipulator or anything like that. He was just a fucking crazy person who wanted to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, of course, I also don't think Evan Peters is that attractive, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, <laughs> now, the other one. Who was the other one? Uh, the, when it was um, Zac Efron. Mm-hmm. Whoever he played. Zac Efron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can, sorry, I gotta get you, get you, get you, get my head in the game. Uh, <laughs> that's only funny if you know what High School Musical is, and I think Nate just gave me a pity laugh, so thank you, Nate. Um, there you go. Thank you. Nate, how about we just talk about things that we actually care about and watch and love, uh, or have enjoyed, hopefully. Hopefully we didn't watch anything that we didn't enjoy. Um, nope. <laughs> I guess let me just get it out of the way because you didn't watch it. And I'm very upset with you. Uh, you didn't? Did you watch? You didn't watch any of it. No, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to do it. You didn't have forty five minutes to an hour. <laughs> I was very sleepy. You had since Friday. I was very sleepy since Friday. <laughs> did you at least watch Bad Batch? I did watch. Bad okay, Batch. good. All right. Well, hey, Nate, Trigun is back, technically, kind of. It's weird, it's different, and I'm I'm a fan, personally. Um, but yeah, Trigun has come back with Trigun Stampede, which is a completely new and kind of like a original take. It's so funny, because people always talk about the original Trigun actually being so much of it is filler, and so little mm-hmm. of it is actually manga canon. Um, this is so weird and so not following the manga directly in any way whatsoever um hmm. but i like it i still like what they're doing with it uh i the biggest upsetting part is millie is gone um if you've watched the original there were two insurance agents that were always hanging out and following vash millie does not exist he is or she has technically been replaced by this guy named i think it roberto um who's like a gruff old reporter smoker guy uh i like him i'm a fan of him i forgot how fucking big millie was holy shit yeah <laughs> uh god damn and she 100 percent fucked wolfwood um <laughs> millie yeah millie t- very tall tall woman massive gun massive gun because yes. that's in the first episode, the strap breaks and it just doesn't hit a guy. It hits the table, which hits the guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, after watching the first episode, I went back and rewatched the first episode of the original Trigun. And I'm like, yes, these are two very different shows, but I can still feel the same heart. I don't know how to describe it. I still liked it. I'm very excited. Uh, but no, Trigun Stampede, completely new take. Um, Vash is still as talented and as doofy as he was in the original. A uh, little bit more realistic haircut. Uh- <laughs> I mean, that was that was the style at the time, right? <laughs> I guess, sure. Um, I mean, hell, fucking at least uh, Spike had like a little fro kind of mm-hmm. thing going yeah. uh, 
Which is more realistic than... Kind of eminem hair. Not Eminem. What was it? You kept but that kind of like frosted... Not frosted tips, but because he was fully blonde. But he had like the little just straight spikes. I can, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a hard hair style to recreate. Um, just a whole lot of hair cement. Yeah. Not, not hair gel, <laughs> cement. Um, <laughs> no, it's visually beautiful the storytelling is still you know as good as the original in my opinion the biggest change technically spoilers i guess uh besides the lack of millie is you get backstory in the immediate connection to knives millions knives right off the bat with the first episode uh it, it literally opens with the flashback to um them being saved basically by being ejected off of the the ship um and then immediately uh fashion knives is like obviously he's the bad guy um and we even yeah that was the case from the trailers i watched well and that's the thing though because in the original show he it takes so long to even hear the name knives and find out that he is vash's brother or twin or clone or whatever the fuck um but I don't know. I, I kind of am okay with them not doing that. That's one of the big complaints I've been seeing a lot of people talk about was that instead of it having that build up and the reveal and all that, I'm like, I feel like that's not as important. It really isn't as important as they made it seem. Um, I don't know. That might just be me. Well, I will ask, is the action as good as what I saw in those trailers? Um... Yes. So far, we've only had two episodes. Uh, first episode covers is basically completely. I mean, it's all technically original to a certain extent. Um, no real crossover from any characters besides uh, Vash and technically three. I'll give it three just because we get the location. We get a location that has it's like Genora Rock or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Vash is obviously there. Uh Millie's gone. Why can't I remember her name? Meryl. Meryl is still there. She's no longer an insurance claim agent. She is now a reporter, which I actually like that change. I think that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. It makes more sense for her to be <laughs> as much of a field agent in some way. Because, um, man, that's a tough insurance job if that's what you got to do. <laughs> uh, but um, the only other thing I can think of. Yeah, nothing, nothing else really connecting it. Oh, yeah, yeah the the woman, the pregnant woman, um, that like runs the bar, because she's in mm-hmm. it, and it it still plays that same like. They find out that he's worth however much money, which is less than it used to be, because it used to be sixty billion. I think it's only sixty. I think it's only six billion double dollars now, because uh, mm. it used to be sixty billion. Six right, sixty billion, or was it six oh. billion? Mm. No, either way. Let's find out. <clears throat> oh, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, sixty billion dollars. Yeah, I I think in the new one it's just saying six billion. Um, still double dollars, but whatever. Uh, action, I love. I really enjoy how they're doing the action. I know a lot of people worried about the CGI. There is specifically a single gunplay scene that. 
I it's incredible. I'm like this. I, if they continue to do this moving forward through the entire series, who oh, people will be talking about like the just the fluidity of the combat. Um, I don't know. I kind of want you to see it. I fucking want, I'm so mad you didn't watch it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like other times, I'm just like, oh, okay, we won't talk about it. But this one, I'm like, oh, this is one of the two anime series that I was super excited about this year, and you haven't mm-hmm. watched it. And I'm like, I want to talk more about it. Um. <laughs> Well, I mean, the one thing that, when it was announced, like, I was hyped for it, but of course, there's this big stigma against CGI being used in anime. Yeah. Um, Especially on this level, where, like, everything is CGI, but I think all of that was put to rest when people saw the trailers, and saw the scenes they put together in those trailers. Mm Mm-hmm. Because with CGI, you can put a lot more of the action on screen. And so, like, when Trailer 2 came out and you got a full action sequence that was not, like, cut up or janky, like, just 2D animation that wasn't easy to track, like, you were able to follow every move made on the screen. Um, And that's not just a credit to CGI, but just the really, really good camera work in that scene, which I hope carries through the rest of the series. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, like I said, I hope you watch it as soon as you can. Um... Hell, we might end the podcast fast enough for you to watch it. We won't. He's going to go to bed immediately <laughs> after this. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, go watch it. Highly recommend it. Uh, if you watch the original, I still recommend it. If you've never watched the original, I'm not going to tell you. There's so many people that are like, go back and watch the first one and then watch this. I'm like, don't. You don't have to. One, it did not age the greatest. Uh, it is an, it's a 90s anime. Um early 90s anime, and we've talked about this, there are some that hold up and still look incredible. Cowboy Bebop being one of them. Uh, Vash is very... Or Trigun is very doofy. It is a, It can get really serious, but it, for the most part, in my opinion, is, is such a good comedy anime. But that's why I feel like they didn't focus too much on the... the quality, the, quality of the animation to a certain extent. Um, mm-hmm. like you'll see, I've seen some videos that are just highlighting how badly animated it used, it was. Uh, but uh, whatever. You watch a new one; it's fun. Uh, it's all on Crunchyroll. Everything that I'm talking about right now is on Crunchyroll. Um, and before we get to the other thing that Nate and I actually both watched, uh, I'm re- going to real quick talk about um the other most anticipated anime of the year, <laughs> uh, which yes, both of them came out. Within the first, like, month. Let's just put month, because I think it was, like, the first week and the, the third week. I don't know. Math doesn't make sense in my brain. Um, but Campfire Cooking in Another World with My Absurd Skill. You know, just your average isekai name. Um, I have read all of the manga so far. It is not done, I don't believe. Yeah, it's just been a while since chapters. Um, it's basically about this guy who accidentally gets summoned... Um, as the as, as a hero in another world, while the other three get regular hero-y powers, he just has the ability to order groceries from an online website that only he <laughs> has access to. Uh, and he's really good at cooking. So he ends up, you know, befriending some very powerful friends. Um, I'm not going to say people specifically. Uh, and uh, ends up not himself being OP, but 
having a very OP party around him. Um, mm-hmm. Only the first episode's out. It literally just came out to, uh, today? Yesterday. Either yesterday or today. Um, I highly recommend it. It is... I, I even put it on here, your new Comfort East guy, because it is so cute and just a relaxing, chill series. You never have to... <laughs> it's never going to be like, oh, no, what's going on next? How's good? How are they going to survive this? Oh, I'm so nervous. Oh, they just decided to throw slavery in this show, too. Why? Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I've been, I went back and was reading more Shield Hero, and I'm like, God damn it, I forgot about this. Um, <laughs> I forgot the slavery. I forgot. Yeah, it's... And it's one of those things where, like, they try and handle it. Like, oh, it's a good thing to be a slave in this universe. Uh... You level up faster. <laughs> no joke. Do you not remember that? All right. I yeah. do remember that. Oh, right. yeah. Here, here's my goal now. I'm going to design an MMO. Where... No. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> where you level up faster if you agree to be someone's slave. <laughs> I mean, the, the current arc I'm on, he literally is like, I'm going to get an entire team of slaves. I'm like, no. You were... No. Um, and they're all children too it's all child mm-hmm. slavery um, of course it is and of course they're not just like you know other humans it's it's demi humans because why would ever you know uh, um, fucking hell if if only it didn't focus so much on that that, sh- that series would be so much better uh, <laughs> anyway this, this is nothing this is nothing like that yeah the, the amount of isekai that has slavery I'm like no stop um but this one not none this one doesn't no no slavery uh just delicious looking food and vibes good vibes (laughs) well i'll talk about an anime that started out as something that had good vibes kind of I mean, it, it started with seemingly good vibes it is a gundam story so like, it's... Gundam has never been, like, not dark. Um, I mean, Gundam, in all of its iterations, except for maybe, like, two, are stories about war. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so Witch for Mercury started out with, okay, yes, there's a war going on, a little girl escapes, you know, so on and so forth. We get that part. But then it starts out as sort of like this academy anime, where it's like these people go to school, they're part of they're like members of super powerful elite families and stuff like that. Really good mobile suit pilots. And they engage in duels, like to settle disputes. And you're like, okay, duels. I get that. Right. Like they're not actually out to kill each other. Mm-hmm. They destroy each other's robots. And they win the duel. And then we get to the last episode of what is season one, which was like just last week. And it took a whole complete, like 180 turn from that feeling. <laughs> Um, without spoiling the exact events of what happens, a man is forced to kill his father. (laughs) Um, the main character straight up murders a guy. And I don't mean like inside of like a Gundam duel. She's in her Gundam and murders a human person, (laughs) like just standing on the ground. Um, who I guess her justification for that is he was about to kill someone close to her, but like, the way it happens is, and the lack of hesitation on her part, is just shocking for her character. Um, and then the way she reacts afterwards is equally shocking. 
it like from her perspective it's like she did nothing wrong she saved someone she cared about she's just happy to be there mm-hmm. from a person's perspective she saves she literally just calls her a murderer oh, like she okay. she looks like a psychopath in this scene <laughs> um but i would say i haven't watched gundam for a very long time but this gundam is very good and so if you care about gundam at all or just like seeing like cool fucking mech shit in space then this is probably one to watch <laughs> yeah i uh i've never had any interest in a single um gundam series i've tried it's not you know but uh it just never grabbed me i'm not the biggest giant robot fan um we've talked about that so many times my favorite giant robot is uh big o yeah technically i mean big o is still great even as it's a mecha anime that's very light on the mecha part. Yeah, well, it's it's Batman mecha. Um, yeah. But basically. I remember seeing the mecha in Big O as a kid and going like, those are actually fucking like unique and cool looking. <laughs> yeah. And they all had like individual purposes too, um, mm-hmm. which was such a cool idea. Or the, the ones that you find because it's all from a long ago war that nobody remembers anymore. Man, did Big O ever actually finish, or did it get canceled? Now I want to look into that, because I feel like it didn't have a real ending. <laughs> I can't remember. All I knew is, like, this man's got a big robot that has, like, a laser beam in its forehead and pile bunkers for arms. And that was just really fucking cool at the time, because, yeah. like, I my introduction into mecha anime was stuff like Evangelion, which isn't really a mecha anime, and... Then Gundam Wing, which very much is, but Gundam Wing's like fast and you know in space, and you got lots of lasers and missiles and shit flying around. I wasn't really introduced to Mecha like most people were with like here's fights on the ground. Yeah. I guess I could say Power Rangers was my first introduction, but That's true. I don't think I recognized it as something that was Mecha at the time. <laughs> I'm trying to think what would technically have been my first one. Um, let's see. Go back in time. Gigantor? Mm. Yeah. I remember seeing Gigantor as a young kid. Do you even remember yeah. Gigantor? I do remember Gigantor. Gigantor. I think... Uh, well, where Witch from Mercury differs from other ones is the Gundams in this are far more explained as far as like how they came to be mm-hmm. as opposed to other series where Gundams just kind of exist. Like in this series... They have this thing called the gun to format, which started as like medical prosthetic technology. Mm-hmm. And then eventually was developed into giant robots that were eventually banned. Yeah. <laughs> Gundams are banned in this series. Weird. That's unexpected. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Um, and it's done. Is it done done? Not done done, but you know, the, is it a full season done or is it like a mid season break kind of thing? That's a question for me. A lot of people are saying this is like the end of part one of season one. Yeah. But very clearly at the end of the show, after that end credit scene where you see her straight up splat a guy, um, it says like, we will be back in season two or something like that. Oh, okay. That's nice that it already got uh, a sequel thingy set up. Um, Anyway. This one I think is only running for two seasons anyway. Oh, cool. Uh, speaking of sequel seasons, Nate, one of the, you know, because Star Wars is only good when it's as a TV show, I guess now. I don't know. Fuck, <laughs> fuck people. Um, 
yes, I am a, a less Jedi. What's the thing? What's it called? Defender. I don't. I guess I don't know. I guess like fuck fuck that last one, but Last Jedi could have been I mean, so much, so much, and we're not going to go into it. We're just I'm going to talk about the Bad Last Batch. Jedi. So. Okay, good. We're the defenders. <laughs> I am definitely not Iron Fist. <laughs> I'll take Daredevil. You okay. can. You want? Who do you want to be? Jessica Jones? Or... Yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to have a traumatic background or a traumatic background? <laughs> yes. It really is like one of them was blinded as a child, one of them abused, another one uh, framed. Right? What was I can't mm-hmm. remember in the TV shows, uh, and then um, Danny is like, "My plane crashed, but I survived, and my parents died." I'm like, "Yeah, but yeah, but I'm also still very rich." Yeah, you come back to a world where you have all the money in the world, and you decide that you're going to fight people poorly choreographed all i know Uh, is that you cannot cast a person who is supposed to play a character who is one of the best martial artists in comic books who doesn't fucking know martial arts (laughs) yep he i've seen him in one thing where i thought his character was believable and that was when he was playing a gay knight uh in um that throne of games um Game. Yeah, it's your favorite show. I know how much you loved it, and you kept nonstop talking about it years ago. Um, yeah. But anyway, f- fuck all that. <laughs> We're back to Bad Batch, motherfuckers. And we have three episodes. Three episodes yep. out. Uh, overall, Nate, without spoilers, we're not going to go into spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a neat continuation for the story. Um, it shows where each of the characters is kind of at right now, but also how they've grown in between seasons. Um, Omega, of course, being the youngest character in the show has the most growing to do, but Mm -hmm. she's, she's far more capable than she was before. Um, She's coming into her own as a member of the team. And she is desperate to find acceptance among that team, (laughs) not just as like, this sort of familial relationship she has with them, but like being on par as a warrior as well. Mm. I do love it. Cause in literally in the opening scenes of the season, you have um, her basically kind of stepping up to be not the, uh, not on par, but as close as they can get to a, repla- or a replacement for crosshair. Um, mm-hmm. Cause she is their basically their long distance sniper kind of person with her weird, Laser bow. Yeah. No, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Star Wars, you have some interesting technology. Um, but no, I, I'm very excited I mean, for more I'll of the season. I'll take a laser bow in this show over very clearly, like, dolled up AKs as blasters in Andor. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> hold on. You have bad things to say about Andor? One of the greatest the, things ever created? The only bad thing I have to say about it is the blasters that the Rebels on the planet carried initially were just very clearly AI or AKs with like stuff like very loosely glued onto them. And the thing about Star Wars guns is, at least in the original trilogy, they were all real guns that were like 
done as props. Like they were just had stuff attached to them to make them look, you know, futuristic and sci-fi. But if you looked at them for like the very first time, you didn't necessarily know that. But in this one scene, you get this image of someone carrying what is very definitely an AK rifle that has really no distinguishing features. Here's the thing. You say that, I couldn't tell you that. I know nothing. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you that that's just a gun. Okay, but if you saw AKs in, like, a video game, like, it's... No, I'm me, pulling I it up. I see. Much about this. this is, it's a fucking Polish AK design with an underfolding stock. That's really all it is. You, you said words there, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and communicators were just shick razors. Uh, <laughs> and there's that one ice cream maker or something. Anyway, hey, we're not going to get into this because, you know, no. whatever. Um, but no, I the first three episodes, I, I love... One, I love the fact that uh, the third episode, this season already feels kind of more like, um, I just I said it, it feels more like Clone Wars, where it's not focusing on a single group. The fact that in the third episode, we break away and focus on an entire story on uh, Crosshair, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Instead of, because the first season, we cut back to him every once in a while, but he never got like full episode development kind of things. Um yeah, and I like the way they handled it, and I like the what they brought back, who they brought back for his specific episode. No names. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see where we go with the season. Uh, it's still like I threw it on, and I was just, just completely sucked into it. Didn't give a shit about anything else going on around me. Um, <laughs> so I, I do love that they can still hold my attention with these shows. Uh, it's so funny to me that the TV shows are doing so well to me. I don't know. I, I feel like you feel the same way when it comes to the Star Wars shows. Yeah, but the thing is, is, is I can't really say I'm surprised by it because I've said this several times before, is when you put the material in the hands of people who really care about it, mm-hmm. who care about Star Wars as not just an IP that can make the money, but as a storytelling platform to make unique content off of. I mean, this is like the dream job of nerds. It's Mm. the ability to make profitable fan fiction, basically. Um, And that's what they're doing. They're making stuff that's true to what Star Wars is. And they're just, they're just running with that. I mean, I would really, (laughs) as much as I know it's not going to happen, I would just really like it if this led to the decanonization of the sequel trilogy and just a whole new sequel trilogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or or what we can do, and this is why I have no problem with it, let the sequel trilogy exist. Let it exist how it does. Yes. Does it fuck over some great actors and not going to be able to use them for other things? Yes. Whatever. Give them parts and give them bigger parts in, this, in the Marvel Universe. Um, we can accept that and just forget about the Skywalkers. Never mention the fucking name Skywalker ever again. Yeah. We're already getting some stuff that won't have any ties to the Skywalkers. Fucking hopefully. Because we got the Acolyte coming out. We got the the Skeleton Crew, I think is the name of the, the series mm-hmm. with the kids lost in space. Um, 
none of that should be knock on whatever this IKEA desk is made out of. Um, <laughs> should not be related to the Skywalker family. I'm I don't want that. I don't need any more Skywalkers. Nobody needs more Skywalkers. Uh, it's done. They're all gone. The only one that's still living is a uh, adopted, I guess, is the best way to put it. <laughs> she adopted herself. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I feel like they would have adopted her anyway. Right, she just straight up decided that on her own. Luke's um, over there in force heaven like the fuck did you say <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah absolutely love it ready for more uh, I, I still do wish because of it being a cartoon I guess I don't know I, I in just TV in general now I wish I, I missed full season drops um, mm-hmm. I get it. It does make you want and anticipate things more. Like Andor, Andor breaking it up week to week was great. Um, but there's something about, and I guess it's because I I didn't watch the uh, like Clone Wars or Rebels as they mm-hmm. came out until like the final season of Rebels, um, in the final season of Clone Wars because they did that on uh, Disney Plus week by week too. Um, but just I guess I because I had train myself to binge watch all those that I'm like oh no please just give them all at once now uh I don't know. well they kind of got to space them out now because they have to give time for other projects to be completed and ready for publishing yeah and every time I see stuff about it they keep saying that uh Disney Plus is still not profitable well which is crazy I mean it's crazy in a sense but also like Disney Plus did start with very few originals, and a lot of the content was stuff from their backlog. Well, that's like, the thing. It's... Disney basically... That, and that was smart of them, though, because, yes, they mm-hmm. got the original content out there, but Disney, who has always been like, you have a limited time to watch these things or buy these things, then mm-hmm. we're like, hey, you have unlimited time to view everything in the vault as sure. long as we have the rights for streaming currently. <laughs> Well, I mean, Disney Plus was the my access to watch movies like Treasure Planet, which I had never seen before. Really? Have you yeah. watched Meet the Robinsons? I have not watched Meet the Robinsons. Gotta watch that. But I've watched Onward twice, and it made me cry twice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was one of the last movies I think we watched in 2020. Definitely I'm made me cry. Recently rewatching Up. Um,. But movies like Incredibles too, I would, I probably would have never gone to see that in theaters. But yeah. Disney Plus let me watch it from home, so that's kind of where I'm thankful for it. I understand that it's Disney Plus is supposed to be a money making machine, but mm-hmm. Disney already has all the money anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they're what they really care about. No one invested, at least I would think, in Disney Plus as a separate property. They just invested in Disney as a whole entity. Yeah. Alright, well that's, I think that covers everything we've been watching. Uh, what have, because I, to be honest, I haven't been playing anything, Nate. What have you been playing? Well, so, last week I played some Stranded Deep with Dave. Yeah, um, I actually, I, I have not recently, but in the past played mm-hmm. that. Um, it, uh, 
when I played it, it was a very broken, buggy mess, but it was also only single player. Mm-hmm. So at least, they, from what I've heard, they've at least made it multiplayer now. <laughs> they have made it multiplayer. I believe it's still only up to two players co-op. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, the thing is, is, is it kind of has to be limited to two players co-op because the game is based around islands, sort of like mm. uh, Raft is, right? Yeah. And this game punishes you a lot more for not having necessary resources a lot of the resources in this game are also non-replenishable. Yeah. Like, if you cut down, like, a palm tree on an island, that palm tree is gone. It's not going to grow again. <laughs> um, <clears throat> like, resources are very scarce. They're limited. You kind of have to learn as you go, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a survival game, but it's not really the best one on the planet. There are games with much better systems than this. Yeah. Um, I understand why it appeals to people because it's a game that doesn't really hold your hand in any way. It doesn't tell you like what to do or really even like on an intuitive level. You don't really know what you can and can't do. Um, you just kind of learn it as you go. Um, I will say it's much more fun playing it with a person. I did try playing it solo at a certain time and it just got real boring. Yeah. Real fair. It gets also very stressful at certain times when like you're running out of food, you're thirsty, whatever it may be. Um, you know, your raft somehow gets destroyed or drifts away from you because you weren't paying enough attention, and then you're, like, trying to swim to island from island, and sharks are chasing you and all kinds of shit's going on. It can get pretty crazy at times. Um, that being said, I mean, if you're into that kind of, like, hardcore survival where it's, like, you have to manage your resources, you have to know what you're doing, you have to plan things out, this is probably a fun game for you. Just not for me. <laughs> Actually, um, I, I hated it. It was not. A, I'm not a big yeah. fan of it at all. Uh, mm. Part of it is because of that whole like non-renewable area. Like you can't plant a tree after chopping down the tree for you to then be able to have more trees. If you're only mm-hmm. when you start on that island, it is literally made for you to continuously keep moving from island to island. Yeah, I don't know. Um, apparently, they've added some story elements to the game and stuff like that. So maybe that adds some flavor to it, but. To play a game more similar to that, for me, that is, one, much more visually appealing because it's just better made, mm-hmm. and two, like, has a story that you can actually follow because the game gives you hints early on that there is more to this game than just sailing around and surviving, just go play Raft. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, that being said, I've played some other things here. One of the games I found recently, I actually wishlisted on Steam and then just randomly one day looked on Game Pass and found it there. That's <laughs> Potion Craft. Um, Potion Craft is a nice, chill game for the most part. Um, you most part. are an alchemist who has a shop. Um, and there's four parts of the shop. You have the bedroom where you sleep and advance the next day. You have the Enchanted Garden. Every day that regrows just a random selection of herbs and mushrooms for you to pick as ingredients. Um, You have your lab. I should say five places. You have your lab where you actually make your potions. You have your shop where people come in and request potions from you or traders show up to sell you stuff to make more potions with. Um, And then you have the basement, which has the alchemy machine. Mm. Um, And eventually you start repairing that machine and you make certain alchemical... Basically ingredients, things like albedo, rubedo, stuff like that, to progress further in the game and create the ultimate thing that all alchemists are after, which is a philosopher's stone. 
Um, are you trying to bring back your dead brother? No. <laughs> Give him his body um, back. But the way that the major gameplay works, it all mostly takes place in the lab. So you have your ingredients. Um, you have a cauldron to put those ingredients in. You have a spoon, of course, to stir the cauldron. You have bellows to heat the cauldron up and actually brew the potion itself. Mm -hmm. um, you have a water label, which cools off the mixture and causes the potion to move back towards the center of what's called the alchemy map. And you have a mortar and pestle, so you can put an ingredient in there, grind it up, and unlock, quote-unquote, its full potential. Um, so the way that the main gameplay works is each ingredient makes you move a certain direction on the alchemy map. And as you move through the map, you have little books which give you experience as you move along it, and then you see potion bottles. Initially, they just have question marks in them because they're unknown effects. Mm -hmm. But as you reach those potion bottles and you brew that potion, you unlock that new effect. The closer you are to the center of that potion bottle determines the strength of that potion. So you have levels one where you're just touching it, you have two where you're more inside of it, and you have three where you are fully inside, exactly inside of that potion bottle. And that creates the strongest version of that potion. Um, that being said, you can say, like, I move towards the health potion. I can brew that potion, but I don't have to stop there. It doesn't just automatically create the potion for me. I can choose to take it out of the culture and bottle that, or I can add additional effects to it by continuing along the map and just going towards more effects, picking more things up. Um, it does have a slight RPG mechanical leveling and perks that you do. The trading is really nice because you have a barter system. Um... Or a haggle system, really. Mm -hmm. And so you can haggle with customers for better, better prices. Um, and as the game does advance in chapters. So as you complete all the objectives in one chapter, you advance to the next chapter, which basically just unlocks more people coming into your shop, unlocks more traders willing to exchange things with you, unlocks more opportunities. I just got the first part of the alchemy machine, and it tells you on a little sort of recipe what you need to put in it to make the first ingredient. So I'm currently working on Albedo. And I've got two of the strength three potions I need for that. Um, but there's also some resource management at play with your herbs and ingredients. You can spend a long time adding a lot of ingredients to a cauldron just to get to where you want on the map. Mm -hmm. um, but the map also has like these these areas that look like they're just a bunch of bone piles lying around. And if you move through those too much, that potion fails and you just return to the center of the map. So mm -hmm. you have to pay attention to where you're navigating and how you're getting there. Um, sort of the quality of life thing that they have in there is a recipe book that you have that has a limited number of pages in it, but you can buy more pages later hmm. from a specific trader who comes into your shop. And so, say you brew one potion and you're like, I really want to hang on to this. This is like a staple potion for me and I don't want to spend time brewing it every single time someone requests it. You can just go into your recipe book after saving that recipe and auto-brew it from there. Oh, cool. If you have the ingredients for it. Um, and it'll tell you on the auto brew tab, like, here's how many you could brew with the ingredients you have left. You can also do a brew from here. So, like, say there's a certain spot on the map that you're trying to get to, mm -hmm. and you know that that potion effect is on that near that spot of the map, and you don't want to put a bunch of ingredients in to get all the way over there. Well, you can do a brew from here. So, like, if I want to do the healing potion, I do a brew from here. I'm already on the healing spot on the map, and then I can move to different places from there. Um, so it's just a neat game. It's relaxing as well. There's no time limit on people requesting potions. So it's not like you have to rush to make something for them. Mm -hmm. Um, there's no obligation to make it for them either. Like say someone comes in and says like, Hey, I need like a poison potion from you. 
and you just don't have it yet or you don't know how to brew it or you just don't have the ingredients for it you just turn them away you lose a little bit of shop popularity for it you lose out on the gold they would give you for making that potion but you just move them forward in the queue um so just a nice little game i've picked it up and put it down several times i don't think i've played it any more than like for an hour at a time mm -hmm. but you know it's fun it's unique it's got a unique aesthetic to it that's cool um, it's got some nods to other games like the witcher in it <laughs> so, oh yeah yeah like a guy comes into your shop and he's very clear clearly a witcher <laughs> but um no it's it's fun it's interesting um but the other game I played was Need for Speed Unbound, which for me initially flew under the radar. There were no like big announcements of a new Need for Speed or anything like that that yeah. I was aware of. Is this the uh, the anime one? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so what's weird about this is the graphic choices they made. So the map, the cars are all like photorealistic graphics, stuff like that. But the characters and the effects that those cars produce when you're doing certain things in them are very cel-shaded, animated, that kind of stuff. Um, so it's this blending of two aesthetic styles in it that for me, at least doesn't throw me off that much. It's not like super uncanny Valley or anything like that. The effects that your cars produce, like when you're in a drift or you're boosting are actually pretty cool. Um, as always with Need for Speed, there's a whole lot of car customization that goes on. I've spent hours just making liveries for cars. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh, um, no, it's it's just a it's another fun Need for Speed game. They've made some changes to the way cars handle in the game. The last one I played was Need for Speed Heat, where like if you could drift, you were just a god in that game. No one could fucking touch you. Yeah. In this game, you can tune more towards drift or grip, um, and you're rewarded for both in different ways. So, just an interesting game with the sort of typical old school Need for Speed formula. Um, so if you're into Need for Speed, this is probably a good game for you to try out, or just arcadey racers in general. Um, just fun, interesting, cool game. Not a not a massive in-depth story or anything like that, but Need for Speed has almost never had that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that's what I played. All these games, um, with the exception of Stranded Deep, um, I would probably recommend at least trying, <laughs> especially Potion Craft, since it's on Game Pass. Yeah. Um, Need for Speed Unbound, if you're not really into racing games, realistic racing games like I am, probably not for you. That's me. I'm not into it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so funny that the, the one of those three games that I would normally be interested in, even I'm like, I've tried. Not a not a fan. Uh, but whatever. You know, it happens. I, personally, as you can see, there's nothing written down. Um, I haven't played shit, Nate. Um mm. I will say I did get to... I didn't get to get my hands on, but while I was at MAGFest, um, I did get to see uh, some of... Because what I didn't know, who I didn't know was going to be there, was motherfucking Heart Machine. Um, and if you don't know who Heart Machine is, Heart Machine is the... Uh, or are the people that made Hyper Lake Drifter. Um, they also, last year, or two years ago, fuck, two years ago now, put out Solar Ash. Um, but I also got to see people checking out uh hyperlight breaker which is the next hyperlight game um it's mm -hmm. no longer like a isometric top-down kind of whatever action game i don't know how to describe it um it's now a 3d action adventure game 
Uh, it looks great. I'm very excited to actually get my hands on it whenever it does come out. I think it is later this should be later this year. Oh, it says spring. Yeah, they're saying spring 2023. Uh, so hopefully that comes out sooner than later. Um, if you like Hyperlight Director, this is just that, but higher quality, I guess, is the best way to put it. Put it. Um, not higher quality. What's that term? Higher... Gra graphically? I don't know. It's no longer 2D. It's now 3D. That's the easiest way to say it. Um, mm -hmm. But it looks fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, really, that's it. I don't know. Played a couple of other things. Nothing too... Oh my god, I, I can talk about this for hours kind of thing. Um, like I said, been busy. Been watching a lot of shit. Been reading a lot of shit. Nothing worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of bad, bad manga in Chainsaw Man. Um, but we're not going to talk about Chainsaw Man because that is so far ahead of the spoilers for the anime. Whew. Uh, <laughs> so instead, Nate, let me run us through some quick news. Because you got the big guy. You got the big, big story. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to go all in one breath. Ready? No. Um, <clears throat> so, oddly, oddly enough, you, you, we know. Google Stadia is dead done no more google stadia rest in peace uh but for the us nerd people that bought into it immediately we finally get what we've wanted since the beginning um with google stadia closing google is now giving us the tools that it's basically like they're putting out a thing that lets us remove the blocking of the bluetooth mm -hmm. on the controller so you can now use this with any device or any gaming device bluetooth wise um which is great this is a great controller it's got the things i love everything there's nothing like this it's a really solid controller yeah well and that's one of those things where like my biggest not complaint one of the things that i hate about xbox controllers have always hated about xbox controllers and at this point nintendo because mm. they've kind of moved towards it too is the joysticks being uh in two different places what's that thing called well, like this, where they're, yeah, you know, up, they're but, offset. Yeah. Offset, that's the word. But this is, like, back in the day on, on PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Right here, buttons all up on top. I love it. It's great. Um, I'm very See, excited I, to be able to use this on everything. I prefer this to that, because when I used to have, my thumbs are so big, when I was playing with, like, my PS2 a while ago with that controller, it has those... What's that called? Convex? Yes. Convex-shaped joysticks. It's easy for my thumbs to slip off of those and constantly collide uh, with one another. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. This one, it's... it's They have the little hole, the little divot, so your they're, thumb they're rests inside of like it. like the Xbox ones. Yeah. But, um, uh, I like the Stadia controller, though, because when I first picked one up, like it felt really well built. It's very solid. Yeah, it is a good piece of hardware. And this thing, by extension, this is an Elite Series 2 controller, you can see that I have a grip now around this controller. Yeah. Because, it falls for whatever apart. reason, well, on my Elite Series 1, it was even worse, and now it's starting to do it on this. For as much as this controller cost, the grips shouldn't just come off the controller after a certain period of use. Yeah. Um, this controller is also very easy to get dirty, and my hands produce a lot of sweat 
a lot of dead skin as an extension to that, and I have to constantly clean this controller off. <laughs> Man. Okay, we don't need to talk about that, especially because this has been a quick news section. Nate, geez. Anyway, moving on. I'm going to jump around. Uh, real quick, just a new update and, and, I guess, reminder if you knew about the other thing that happened pre previously. Uh, Justin Roiland, creator of, or one of the creators of um, Rick and Morty, as well as uh, one of the head writers, I guess, for um high on life new game available on xbox game pass which hey don't play for multiple reasons one it's not good and two uh because the co-creator you know justin roiland uh, is has some uh, domestic violence charges that were just brought against him um so fuck him he's a shitbag it kind of makes sense that he's so close with dan Harmon, who was also kind of a shitbag <laughs> But I feel like this, I think he's now above him. I don't know. They're both shitty human beings, unfortunately, because they've created things that people fucking love. Um, that's all I'm going to talk about him because he doesn't deserve any more time in any kind of spotlight. Uh, speaking of shitty things in general, guess what, Nate? You're never, you're never, ever going to play Skull and Bones. Oh, I'm so heartbroken. They <laughs> delayed it for a sixth time, as well as uh, I couldn't find any specific games being mentioned, but supposedly Ubisoft has been canceling a shit ton of games lately. Um, in well, like more that haven't been announced. Uh, supposedly the performance of the last couple of games have not been as well as they were anticipating. Uh, mostly, Ubisoft as a company right now flies very heavily under the radar, but they have been on very scummy shit for a long time <laughs> oh yeah uh we, we don't have to go into that part but no. you know that's the problem if you look at any game developer publisher for too long unfortunately you're gonna find some scummy shit um speaking of not not the scummy shit but speaking of developers and publishers and all that wonderful stuff uh we did get an announcement that on january 25th we are going to be getting a, an xbox bethesda direct not mm -hmm. a, it's not a full conference show. It's kind of like a more of a showcase kind of thing, talking about what's coming out this year, later this year. Uh, nothing really focusing on Starfield, but that is because at a later date, we are going to get a fully Starfield-centric event. Um, kind of just like this. Uh, uh, kind of like how Nintendo was like, hey, here's a Zelda-only direct. There, I feel like that's going to be what we get for Starfield. I'm very excited for both of these things. Uh, I plan on covering both of them as long as I'm not at work. Yay! Uh, you, unfortunately, will be at work, so it will just be me. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if I can get the day off. Oh, okay. It's a new year. All my vacation and sick days are back. So. All right. That is fantastic. Uh, I think there was one more news thing that I wanted to mention. I forgot to throw it in the thing. Let me just real quick zoom, 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 zoom. No, not really. I guess what I can say is there is a new uh, new trailer out for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Um, highly recommend checking that out. But if you want to see me just slightly react and be excited for the, the thing, uh, there is a new trailer react up on the YouTube. So check it out at youtube.com slash at taco. I, they decided to do this thing that makes it so you don't have to hit a goal. You just have to put the at and take over a name. It works. I'm okay with it. It makes <laughs> it easier to tell people where to go for YouTube. I'll take it for now. Um, but yeah, check that out. 
It's adorable. Wow. <laughs> the trailer, not me. I mean, I might be. I don't know. Um, He's always adorable. Um. <laughs> and that's it for quick news. No more quick news. Nate, what is the big story? So the big story for the past week, really. I can't even say two weeks because this really just broke this week. Um, so D&D has had a licensing structure going on since i want to say about two decades ago at this point called ogl or open game license and basically what open game license stated is that if you as a content creator make something that is compatible with DD or explicitly says it's for use with DD or is DD themed in some way or uses aspects of DD, that content is yours you are the owner of that content you owe no royalties to wizards of the coast or hasbro for it um you have full license to do that. They consider it all transformative content. It's your stuff, right? This led to pretty much the expansion of D&D over those 20 years, all the way back from, we're talking like edition three up to what we have now, which is fifth edition, right? Um, people have made droves and droves of content, all those extra campaign books and Kickstarters you hear about, all that stuff was fan created um, for the community, mm-hmm. right? So, that was OGL, what we're now calling 1.0. To start the story off and to give people some context right off the bat, OGL 1 is 900 words long. The new OGL 1.1 that was leaked from Wizards of the Coast is around 9,000 words long. Fuck, I didn't know that. It is basically just one big massive legal document. (laughs) The problem with OGL 1.1, to kind of summarize here, is... Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast, they want their cut, basically. They're saying if you make something for D&D or say it's for D&D or it has a D&D license or is D&D compatible, even retroactively, and you made over a certain amount of money, you owe us a cut now. Yeah. Like 25% of that money you made, you owe us. Um, so I'll just get down to the fine details, just going down a list. Most of this comes from a YouTube video by Crit Crab, who's a great D&D content creator. And also a Reddit mega thread on the Reddit D&D subreddit. I don't know why I had to say it like that. Um, (laughs) But uh, so this is sort of the big problem with this. And what I meant by retroactively is the new OGL unauthorizes the old OGL. Which is fucked up. Yeah. So it's like just it's like typing a full document and then pressing the fucking delete key or forgetting to save it. That's kind of what they're doing. (laughs) Um. So, there's language in the new OGL. Um, It says it's rendering any future usage of the original OGL void and asserting that if anyone wants to continue to use open game content of any kind, they will need and abide by the terms of the updated OGL, which is far more restrictive agreement than the original OGL. Yeah, so, like I said, the old one, dead and gone. They, if this new one, like, becomes an official document because Hasbro stamp of approval and some legal people stamp of approval... The old OGL is is null and void for you. Um, They leaked some text on, it looks like, January 13th. Um, They had planned to actually release a policy on the 4th and give creators seven days to respond to it. That was it. Um, So you had seven days to deliberate and decide, like, if your D&D content creation company or you as a sole proprietor of that kind of content was going to make content for D&D anymore. (laughs) 
um, and you had to make your intentions known directly to Wizards of the Coast at the time. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff about royalties in there. That's way too many details to go on, but here's the big one. Um, Wizards of the Coast stated that online crowdfunding is a new phenomenon since the original OGL was created. It kind of is. People understand that. It doesn't really excuse what they're doing, though. Um, they said the new license attempts to address how and where these fundraising campaigns can take place. Essentially, what they want to do is a platform like what Bethesda did with mods, where you create a mod, but we want to make profit off of it, so you have to put that mod on our platform for people to buy it from us. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, I can tell you from experience that Fallout 4 works much better with more free mods than it does any official mods that they're releasing on the Bethesda store. <laughs> um, but it says, if creators are members of the expert tier, so they try to introduce a tier system, which means you made over 750000 in revenue. Now, mind you, that's revenue, not profit. That just means, like, if you ran a Kickstarter campaign and it hit $750,000, if your licensed work is crowdfunded or sold via any platform other than Kickstarter, you will pay 25% royalty on qualifying revenue. Now, 25% of $750,000 is a lot of money, and a lot of people may be thinking $750,000 is a lot of money for someone who wrote a book for D&D, but that's mm -hmm. not the case. Whole teams work on these projects. Yeah. Right? And usually, in some cases, it turns into a full-time job for them. These are people who have professional writing talent, professional artistic talent, uh, professional game design talent who work on these things. They aren't just some nerd in his basement like sketching out his next campaign on notebook paper. Yeah, they like, aren't all are people, that. <laughs> no, but people who are pouring like real, uh, real, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into this stuff to make content for the community to enjoy. Um, the reason that Kickstarter comes up in particular is they said that Kickstarter is their preferred crowdfunding platform. So if you do release on Kickstarter, then you only owe 20% <clears throat> of your oh, royalties. So nice of them. <laughs> Yes, so generous. Guess who's taking the other 5%? Kickstarter is. Yep. So. <laughs> um, well, during the time that this was out, um, and people were sort of foaming at the mouth at it, a Wizard <coughs> of the Coast employee sort of broke silence, went full whistleblower on this, mm -hmm. um, and said that Wizards of the Coast sees consumers' obstacles between them and their money. Uh, for deeper context, and I got this from Crit Crab, is Hasbro is extremely profitable wizards of the coast by themselves are extremely profitable we're talking billions of dollars of profit posted last year that being said dnd makes up made up somewhere between 100 million and 150 million of that overall revenue that they received yeah that's not a lot in the span of billions and what a lot of people are thinking is going on in the executives at hasbro's minds is we own this extremely popular ip and it should be generating more money for us that's kind of where they're at. Yeah. Um, they're just mad that it isn't. And unfortunately, like most co corporations, they're not obsessed with having some of the money. They need to have all of the money. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. And I mean, and it's one of those things where uh, I've seen other articles go into it about the fact that entirety, the entirety of um, fucking, sorry, my mind's blanking on the name of D&D. Sorry. Uh, has not really made money, ever. It has never been the most profitable thing, ever. Uh, 
it recently, since 2020, um, for some reason, had been skyrocketing in, like, people buying it and being interested in it and getting all this attention. And maybe, you know, it's because nobody has anything better to do than play a game that is easily accessible and can be done easily through video call without having to go out into the public during a fucking pandemic. Um, but no, you know, maybe maybe it's something else. Maybe we're wrong. Uh, well, no. They I mean, just DP... want that money that it now is is hopefully getting them. I don't fucking know. Let's tabletop RPGs as a concept are extremely accessible for people. Um, and that's kind of the benefit of having them around. And that is unfortunately what things like the new OGL is trying to take away from those people. Mm-hmm. If you don't have you know, $500, $600 to drop on a new gaming console or to build a new gaming PC or to have one even built for you. To play D&D, you literally need a pencil, a paper, and some dice. And they don't even have to be real dice. You could just go online and, like, do a dice roller if you want to. Yeah, you can literally tell Google <laughs> to just roll a die for you. Yes. I do and so time. it is accessible to, like, the largest degree. I mean, there have been projects to print these things out and braille for people. There have been text-to-speech programs for D&D. Um, all kinds of stuff, so that way anyone from any background, any country, any financial situation, any disability situation can enjoy and play a game of D&D with their friends. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro have been trying to push away from that because they do want D&D to be extremely profitable. They do see it as this giant popular franchise with people, and they're really wondering why we aren't making more money on this. Um, There's a whole large ethical debate that has to take place about that that I won't get into. Um, I may be having a discussion with another streamer about that sometime in the future but um oh, I see. people not can good think about here, that. Huh? <laughs> it's good enough for here but we have to spend a lot of time on that um and we also have to find people who actually disagree with us who i don't really want to talk to in the first place <laughs> um oh, okay, sure. so um but uh there's a part two to this story right so earlier this week which is the coach kind of rolled back their decision to release this new ogl um, they had posted about it publicly on Twitter and other platforms. People have interviewed people at Wizards of the Coast. All kinds of craziness has gone on. Um, but here's some statements that were actually made by Wizards of the Coast. Someone specifically from Wizards of the Coast who I can't bother to look the name up of again. Um, <laughs> on uh, sort of the mistakes with the OGL, at least in their minds, of what they made. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to go through these and also sort of comment on why some of this is just complete and total bullshit. So the first part of this is just, I'm just going to read the statement directly. He says, when we initially conceived of revising the OGL, it was with three major goals in mind. First, we wanted the ability to prevent the use of D&D content from being included in hateful and discriminatory, discriminatory products. Second, we wanted to address those attempting to use D&D in Web3, blockchain games, and NFTs by making clear OGL content is limited to tabletop role-playing content like campaigns, modules, and supplements. Hold on one second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first point was that they don't want anybody making anything hateful, whatever. 
when mm-hmm. they're the ones that put out an official Dungeons and Dragons from Wizards of the Coast guide that had very racist space monkeys. Yeah. They're the ones that are worried other people are going to do things worse than they're already doing. <laughs> well, here's the big question that first goal, right? Is how do you actually stop that? Right? If someone wants to include that content in their D&T campaign, and even if players want to do that, there's no stopping it. There are horror stories all over the Crit Crab subreddit of people trying to deliberately be racist in a campaign that they've joined. Yeah. Like, there's nothing really to stop that from happening. It is on the players, on the DMs of those games, to decide what content they will and won't allow. If there's a group of little racist D&D players out there and they're doing their own thing and enjoying D&D then whatever, I don't care. Um, when they try to bring it into my games, no, we're yeah. done with you. Yep. Um, that being said, Wizards of the Coast has no real power to stop that from happening at all in the first place. They never did, and a new legal document that they're trying to draft, really just to generate a profit for themselves, isn't going to stop anybody from doing that. Um, the thing about uh, Web 3.0, blockchains, NFT, stuff like that, that applies strictly in a digital space. Um I don't think anybody was really sitting down thinking to themselves, how am I going to make the next D and D NFT? Right? Like I'm sure someone has tried to do it, but NFT started out as this sort of very like bro culture thing for lack of a better term. I don't think D and D players were their target market. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that being said, if if they really wanted to do that, they could just draft a specific legal document to address that. They don't have to address everything else on top of it. <laughs> um, but moving on, they said, and third, we wanted to ensure that the OGL is for the content creator, the home brewer, the aspiring designer, our players, and the community, not major corporations to use for their own commercial and promotional purpose. And here's the major problem people had. Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast are major corporations. Yeah. The people running Kickstarter campaigns and making, like, a good profit or even projects like Critical Role or, I forget what it is, Roll 20 or something like that. Dimension, um, or what you're talking about, Dimension, like, yeah, Dimension 20 are, are actually yeah. making, like, video content. Yeah, Dimension 20. They're sort of media properties in their own right, but they're not major corporations. These are just people who sat down and did something for fun. And they turned it into something larger than that. I will say, uh, Dropout is kind of pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. Not like a major, major corporation, but they're not anywhere near as small as... Uh, I mean, how even... Did, uh, do you, fuck, what's the other one? The actual one that everybody... Critical Role. Critical Role at this point is pretty big, but again, not a major corporation level big. Um, but no, you, you, it, a majority of the people that are making this content and making everything based in this based off of their initial like base game mm-hmm. are not they are usually the the individuals or just small groups that are just like i want to make cool shit that other people can have access to yeah well this this is the bullshit that they're really doing is they're pointing fingers at those people who do make say like seven hundred fifty thousand a million dollars in revenue on a D project and they're saying oh those are major corporations and you as a D consumer are entirely separate from them and that's just simply not true yeah um, like I said, D and D by itself still made a hundred fifty, a hundred million to one hundred fifty million in revenue for Hasbro. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know of a D&D project, including Critical Role, that has ever made that much money in a year. Like, just, just flat out. <laughs> if you mm -hmm. know one, then hit us up in the comments or something. Send us, uh, you know, a message on Twitter or Discord to let me know. But I highly, I highly doubt, and I, I challenge people to honestly go find me one that has made that much money. Um, moving forward, though, this is further on in the statement. And these are just highlights from the statement. I didn't do all of this. So he goes on to say, the next OGL will contain the provisions that allow us to protect and cultivate the inclusive environment we are trying to build and specify that it covers only content for TTRPGs. That means that other expressions such as educational charitable campaigns, live streams, cosplay, BTT uses, I'm not sure what Virtual that means. Virtual tabletop. Virtual tabletop uses, etc. will remain unaffected by any OGL update. Content already released under 1.0a will also remain unaffected. Here's the problem with that statement. The original OGL didn't break it down into this thing. The OGL was very clear that it was trying to target multimedia stuff mm. all forms of media if something was D, D licensed and you made a certain amount of money you owed wizards of the coast royalty so that would include things like charitable campaigns live streams cosplay virtual tabletop um all of that stuff so they're trying to say basically like hey we're on the side of you guys we're on the side of little guys and the content creators and stuff like that and it was very explicitly stated in the original 1.1 but that was not the case. Yeah. But they were looking to take it all. <laughs> um, it also very clearly stated that the OGL 1.0 would be affected. It would be completely erased. It would be unauthorized. <laughs> so who knows what they're going to do with that. Um, the last part of this that's a major highlight, it says what it will not contain is any royalty structure. It will also not include the license back provision that some people were afraid. That's the erasure of the old OGL. It was a means for us to steal work. That thought never crossed our minds. Clearly it did. <laughs> Under any new OGL, you will own the content you create. We won't. Um, here's, here's sort of the crux. Here's bringing it all together, right? If they release another OGL, and it very clearly states that they, that Hasbro or Wizards of the Coast can change the terms of that OGL at any time for any reason, mm -hmm. then that agreement is null and void automatically. No one should accept it. Because given that this is just a statement, this is not legally binding. They can roll this back at any time if they want to. Yeah. And so it very, it very clearly needs to lay out its terms and say that these terms are unchangeable and unalterable until an expiration date or just period indefinitely. Um, if it doesn't say that, then I would suspect nobody to agree to it. Actionable campaigns have already gone up to fight against this. People have petitioned. Um, and people I mean, have not only that, done... so many of the larger companies, the larger companies that use yeah. the D&D uh, 5e as a base, they have already stated that, hey, we're we're making our own thing. We are dropping our own, we're dropping out from using any of their content and oh, yeah. trying to create thing from the ground up kind of thing. And uh, I mean good for them i very much support all that shit mm -hmm. well that's i mean a lot of people the critical role has come out and said said something of a similar vein um a lot of these people just aren't willing to on board with wizards of the coast or hasbro in general anymore because of the shit that they're pulling um this is 
one of the best examples now of a corporation just shooting itself in the foot wholesale. Um, I don't think here's the problem with corporate executives is they're so disconnected from reality that they don't bother to think how people are going to react to this kind of thing. They just see it as pure benefit for them. And then when the stuff gets released and they face backlash, they're kind of like, what happened? How could this be so terrible? Like, what did we do wrong? We're just trying to make money off the stuff that we own. And the problem is, is they don't understand the responses. You don't own it. We made it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like we put in the work and now you're trying to profit off of our labor. And that's really just the bottom line. Um, like I said, if a new one gets released, and for anyone listening who's in the community, just in tabletop RPG gaming in general, if you hear about this, and it doesn't say, like, these terms were unalterable, do not accept that. Keep keep signing the petitions, keep doing the open letter campaigns, do whatever you have to do, let your friends who play D&D know that this is coming. I was going to say, continue whatever. doing what everybody, what people have been doing, and what actually partially <laughs> prompted this, which is... 100% cancel any kind of subscription service you have to mainly you're at this point I believe D&D Beyond but anything else related to Wizard of the Coast directly yeah I mean I have a D&D Beyond account I haven't used it in a while but I straight up deleted it mm-hmm. this week like I don't even pay for it I just deleted the account yeah like the less people on the platform in general the less support it will ever have if what we need to do is portray to Hasbro's and Wizards of the Coast that this is numerical failure for them on some part. That they are losing their community, that they are losing the opportunity to make any revenue on D&D, period. Yeah. Um, I was initially excited for the new D&D movie. I didn't think it looked very good in the trailers, but hey, it's a new D&D movie. I was going to go see it. I am not doing that anymore until something changes. <laughs> um that's just the bottom line. I have I have no faith. I really have no faith that Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro are going to change their minds on this. I really don't. They can they can blow smoke up our asses for an eternity, but they will find a way eventually to screw the community over and in the same turn really screw themselves over. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I uh I love playing D&D. I wish we played more often. I wish we had op- time to do it or people to do it with but right now i'm like what else do we have (laughs) i mean i have that um nights on or kids on kids on brooms whatever uh kids on brooms which is completely completely different like rule set and Mm -hmm. base game so who knows the standby for D content for the longest time the thing that people run to when they don't want to play D has been pathfinder and pathfinder is still extremely popular well pathfinder um, also isn't pathfinder built on the same system any is still anyway i believe it's built on the same system i don't know if it falls under ogl i've never really looked at that um that being said with the popularity of cyberpunk in general cyberpunk red which is the new ttrpg for cyberpunk has really taken off um a lot of people are starting to get into that now. There's plenty of other... Walk into your local game or comic store and you're going to find a TTRPG book that is wholly separate from D&D and will be just as fun and just as creative and just as inventive. I mean, the the reason that we like tabletop role-playing games is it gives us the opportunity to really embody a character and to be in a setting in our own minds. Like, we don't have to have a bunch of digital assistants for that. 
We don't have to have great artists for it or anything like that. That stuff can help, but it gives us the opportunity to really sit down and play a game that is entirely our own without really any rule set other than what we agree on at that table. <laughs> um, yeah, unlike in like a Fallout or a Skyrim game, you can murder children. <laughs> um, without mods. Yeah. I mean, at uh, the end also, of the day, real quick, just because uh, mm -hmm. I looked it up real quick, uh, Pathfinder is under the the original OGL. Okay, so Pathfinder is under the original OGL. Well, I don't know if Pathfinder is in part or directly owned by Wizards of the Coast, but um, it's published by Paizo. Paizo. Okay, so I know Paizo Games. Um, I mean, that's a big question mark for me. If it's still in the right now, it's still in the original OGL. If it starts falling under the new stuff, then I would say you probably need to jump ship from Pathfinder as well. Well, um, so that's the thing. It's not so much jump. Mm -hmm. In that case, you don't have to jump from it because it's them. Mm -hmm. it, it, they are mm -hmm. the ones that are paying or whatever yeah. for that. Um, I'm trying to see if they have like a blog they do have a blog let's see if they've said anything specifically about this wonderful shiz pathfinder community why are you taking so long to load uh no oh, well i found it right away on polygon oh. here we go Paizo announces... Paizo commits the legal battle battle against wizards over future pathfinder and tnd <laughs> i was gonna say also thursday at 3 p.m paizo announces system neutral open rpg license uh mm -hmm. So it seems like they are also coming up with their own way, not around it, but to break away as well. Um, I know it's Cobalt has been the same way. A lot of big name ones are all, like I said earlier, finding their way out of this, um, which well, is good. Paizo just came out and said it in their statement when they filed this sort of legal action. It says Paizo does not believe that the new OGL does not believe the OGL 1.0 A can be deauthorized ever. While we are prepared to argue that point in a court of law if need be, we don't want to have to do that, and mm -hmm. we know that many of our fellow publishers are not in a position to do so. We have no interest in whatsoever in Wizards' new OGL. Instead, we have a plan we believe that will irrevocably and unquestionably keep alive the spirit of open game license. Yeah. So, they've got... They, they, they really have nothing. Um, Wizards of the Coast, I should say, really has nothing. Um... It says Paizo will pay for its legal work. We invite game publishers worldwide to join us in support of this system agnostic license that allows all games to provide their own unique open rules reference documents that open up their individual game systems to the world. So, I mean, Pathfinder is the biggest D&D adjacent game as far as I'm aware. And they straight up, Paizo, the creators of that, straight up said, we're not going to deal with Wizards of the Coast anymore if they continue on yeah. this this train um fucking good so for them that's a good thing so retract whatever i said about pathfinder before go play pathfinder have fun <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i've said pretty much all i have to say about it i think where we're at right now is if you're listening to this podcast or you know you come by it later on whatever happens and you get to this part um you know just send us your thoughts on it honestly I'm interested more to hear what other people's takes are on this. If you think OGL, especially if you think this new OGL is a good thing for some reason, I want to hear that. Um, no, I don't want to hear that. Fuck you. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't say I'll agree with you. I just want to know at least, you know, 
I want to know where I need to shore up my own arguments, honestly. <laughs> it's, more, um, <laughs> it's more of like, I want to know how long you've been working for Wizards of the Coast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are... You're the chaff between me and an end goal, honestly. But, oh um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just let us know what you think. Uh, let us know how you plan to play TTRPG in the future, given this news. Um, let us know what campaigns you're involved in, so we can onboard ourselves as well onto those to fight against this thing. Yeah, check some stuff out. Um, and hey, if you've got a new thing, if you got your own thing, let us know. We'd love to promote it. As long as it's not racist or, you know, sexist or any bullshit like that. Nah, man. Next project? No. The coast. No. I knew you were going to say that. I somehow knew that was the next thing coming out of... God damn it. I mean, technically, if you started up, is it as bad? No, it would just be this... It would be this great scene in Red Dead Redemption where you stumble on a clan meeting and if you watch it long enough, you watch clan members light themselves on fire by accident. By it's accident. hilarious. By accident. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, anyway. Nate, is there anything else you want to talk about before we head out? Oh, I'm lying. I did. There was one more thing. I wanted to do one more thing because <laughs> we started it. We skipped last week because it was a special week. Mm -hmm. Nate. Do yes. you have a no context recommendation? No context recommendations. Yeah, this is a thing now. Uh, a no context recommendation. Yeah. Um, my no context recommendation will be Defendor. Defendor? Okay. Yeah. Just think, you loaned me that DVD, and I still have it. I did? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. I've never owned this in my life. You certainly have, because you gave it to me, and I watched. I made people watch it at a MAGFest once. They loved the shit out of it. I just have that DVD and never gave it back to you. I th it had to be from Dave. I've never owned this before. <laughs> I can promise you that. All right. Well, no context. Go watch Defendor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I say it specifically just because the main character is an actor that, that I don't normally in any way like. Um, anyway, cool. That's yours. Yours, Defend Defendor. Uh, mine. Oh, I just had it. My mind blanked. What the fuck is it? Oh, yeah. Mine is uh, a new image comic series called uh, Black Cloak. Just came out last week. Uh, highly recommend it. Check it out. Not gonna say anything about it because that's what this is. Just look it up, motherfuckers. Pew 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 pew. <laughs> in black cloak and it gave me black cloaks. Etsy, it gave me Amazon and Etsy black cloaks. Yep. <laughs> and you can't even type in black cloak image. You have to put black cloak comic or image comic or something like that because yeah. <laughs> black cloak image is just more images from Etsy. Um, <laughs> I didn't see you pick this up when we went to the store. So. Yeah, you did too, didn't you? Didn't you buy the one with boobs? Yeah, I think I did. There you go. Yeah, you I, bought... I, got the, I got the titty cover. God damn it. We're keeping too much <laughs> away. Um... <laughs> this has been No Context Recommendations. Uh, have, have a nice one. <laughs>
All right. Well, hey, if you like what we do, if you like hearing what we're saying, what we're what we're seeing, what we're looking like, I don't fucking know what I'm saying. Now. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on all social medias. Just search Space Time Taco. Uh, you can find me everywhere at Time Lord Burrito. You can find Nate only on Twitter. He, he keeps telling me Instagram's on its way. I don't think he's telling the truth. Here's, so here's here's the thing about the Instagram. It will be made at least by the end of the month. Okay. The model that I'm painting is nearly done. I fucked it up a little bit because it was very hard to put together because I've done conversions on this model. And I fucked up one of the arm sockets. Okay. So he's now super glued together. I just have to finish the highlights and the washes and he's done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like, subscribe, follow, all those wonderful things. Uh, we uh, will be, not this month, by the end of the month we're going to post it, but we will be starting regular streams again in February. Yes. Uh, so get ready for that. Make sure you're following us on the Twitch uh, as well as on YouTube, because I'm trying to plan, plan on trying to get as much of the content over onto Twitch or YouTube as well. Um, mm -hmm. So just subscribe to everything, and you'll never miss anything. There's little notification bells on all the apps nowadays. Who knows? Uh, anyway, go inside and play video games. Nate, catchphrase. 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 <laughs>